Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast Red Edition. Fresh back from a trip to Melbourne. Cooper, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, Sam. How are you? Excellent. Tom, how are you doing? Fantastic. Just like I was earlier. Let's go. We're all here to talk about Adelaide United nil, Melbourne victory two at Amy Park. Oh, I mean, I guess if we just jump straight into it, we'll go to the lineup in a sec. But our overall thoughts on the game and the result is that it was, for me, a result that I kind of expected, but I hoped for different. Like I had a lot of hope that something different would happen, but this seems fair and expected. No shocks. I hope I hope for more goals from Adelaide for sure. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what traveling to Melbourne really is with this team, isn't it? It's the expected result is the loss, but we're just hoping for a little bit more. Um, I think my biggest disappointment was that we were so competitive in the first half of this game, and then we came out after halftime and were just bullied. Yeah, we were. Um, I guess we can jump into the the different aspects of the game, but we'll start with maybe going through the lineup. Um, any surprises here? Were you surprised to see Lopez in for Bovelina? And I guess the rest. I guess we weren't surprised to see to see Carl stick with what worked so well against Newcastle, but just with that one fullback change. Yeah, um, surprise isn't the word because I wasn't surprised to see. Javi Lopez in this lineup. I mentioned last week that he'd started bringing him off the bench and getting him back into the rotation. And I felt like that was a way to get him to a point that he was going to start a game at some point. I thought that might've been last week. I'm not surprised that it was his victory game. I understand his thinking that was, we're probably going to need to be a little bit more defensively solid against Melbourne victory than we were against the Newcastle Jets. Um, And I think at times that worked for probably the first 50-odd minutes of the game that worked until Javi Lopez, his his potentially senior legs got the better of him and he became very, very tired. Um, but I do think what we lacked was Giuseppe Bovelina's energy up and down that wing. And I think, so not surprised, more so disappointed because I thought that Bovelina was probably our best player against Newcastle the week before, um, whether that was just because he was so important to what we were doing in the 4 2 structure or whether he was genuinely really good in that game or a bit of both. Um, the first time I noticed it was we run at the pump for about the first two and a half minutes of this game. They were had a couple of shots early and we were, oh, we need to settle, we need to settle. And we finally got on the ball. We passed it around the back a few times. We went through Tunnel Cliff, SIS up to Zach Clough. And then Zach Clough turned inside out back towards his own goal like he did 50-odd times last week and went to play a ball out to that right fullback space on the wing. And Javi Lopez was about 15 to 20 metres too deep. And Zach had to then turn back inside and, and turn the ball over. Whereas last week, every time he turned outside to that spot, Giuseppe Bovelina had made that bombing run up the wing and we had the outlet to go forward and I just Mm. think that this formation and structure as defensively good as it was it struggled because we had nothing going forward and therefore at times we couldn't take the pressure off ourselves and Mm. get out for long enough oh yeah hard agree massive agree I thought uh Yavi's performance for the first 50-55 minutes was not bad at all I mean had the most tackles on the pitch I think he offered a defensive solidity that we were looking for in this kind of game. What we were craving is what Coop just alluded to was a halftime change potentially was to almost, I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, given how much we were steamrolled in the second half, but just to have a little bit more adventure, just to try and preempt that they're going to come out a little bit more razzed up. They're, they're the better team. They've got the better players. We need to try and combat that every chance that we get. And so if you made a halftime change, it brought Bov on for Lopez in the situation where 
Popovich has done this the last couple of weeks. If victory aren't clicking, he puts Guerrier into that inverted fullback role. He wants to overload the midfield, and that does expose the space down the right-hand side for us. And if we had Bob on in that situation, I think we could have created a lot more problems than we did. Yeah, I think it was about making Jason Guerrier defensively accountable in this game because when he became defensively accountable, he wasn't able to offer that overload. Um, I think you're spot on potentially halftime, maybe maybe 10 minutes after halftime, maybe mm. get him in there, get him involved in that halftime talk so he doesn't have to be out there warming up and then give him 10 minutes to get himself ready and get him on in the 55th. Um, because at some point when you you play so defensively and you're so your structure is so well sound, I think, and I know we, we spoke about it, it's similar to West Ham, I think, in a sense, is that at some point during a game, and like they did against United when they scored twice in 10 minutes, at some point in a game where you're so defensively structured to stay alive, you have to take a couple of risks and attack you've got to get after it. And you've got to get after it and, and choose a time to, to get out of team. And I felt like Bovelina for Lopez was the change that was going to flip that switch for us. It was going to go right. We've we've gone to half we've gotten to halftime nil-nil. I think after the pounding we copped for 45 minutes the first time we went to Amy Park against the victory this season. This was very much a let's stay in this game. And Sam and I both said we were very we were absolutely taking nil-nil at halftime in this game when we got there. Um, but once you remain in it for 45, you then get to the point that you have to go for it. Um, and I just think that Carl was so, so tactically inept in, in multiple scenarios of this, of this game. But if we just keep it to the relevant point at the moment, I'm going to do that thing I do every week. I'm going to quote an Antonis tweet um, where he said that he spoke about the importance of subs and taking Javi Lopez off right after the damage is done and the goal is scored from the right-hand side is almost like an admission that you've left the change too late. Definitely. Yeah. I think we said at the time, reactive bullshit. Yeah, I didn't hate the inclusion of Harvey. I think I would have preferred mm. Bovelina, but I think if you're going to Melbourne um, and we got played off the park in the first half there last time, um, I don't hate the inclusion, but yeah, he gets absolutely rinsed by Volupale for the first goal. Um, that's on, what, 73 minutes? So, yeah, just been out there just too long for his old legs. There's only so far he's going to get you. I still thought even though, like you said, in the first half he'd had like the most tackles, stuff like that, I still think he looked vulnerable in the first half purely because of pace. And unfortunately, that's just a factor of being that age. And there's only there's only so far experience will take you in terms of chasing a, a, a quick winger uh, who's oh, trying sure. to get and around that- you. And that's a huge factor in the A-League too, is like yeah, whether or not you are technically great, you're going to probably get a gig if you're really quick. And that we've seen so many sides do this. And if you can exploit a tiring fullback or an old fullback, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get dividend. I want to um, go back to this idea that we we played really well in the first half and that we were like, is it, did, have we perhaps lowered our expectations a little to feel like is it because we're like we're because we're playing Melbourne Victory and we had a couple of sniffs and we were in amongst it that we feel like we played well? I'm not sure we even played that well in the first half. We played better than the second half, definitely. I still think we were very lucky to go in nil all at halftime. I think aside from the, I guess Ansel had that opportunity where he was just off balance and couldn't reach the ball because he was kind yeah. of moving backwards from it. But other than that, like. The offside goal is tight. Um, they have a few other chances where we've given the ball away in the defensive third. Uh, I thought we rode our luck a little. I, I just think thought we... it was a really. I was just. I'll say quick. I just thought it was a really good game uh, in that first half. Yeah. I thought it looked like two 
pretty well matched sides. If we yeah. were not on top by any means, it just it gave the impression that this were two of the best sides in this league. And like, if you're going to go toe to toe with victory, especially the the form they're in and the way that they're playing, I think that does kind of elevate our own performance. If it wasn't as good as we as it should be, or you know, it wasn't as good as it was against the Jets. I think still we were competitive enough to be able to put on a really good spectacle in that first half. Mm. Yeah. Um, on that point, just quickly, I had a mate that isn't a, a regular football watcher message me at halftime of this game. He was at the casino with his brother and a couple of friends, and this is what they had. They had this game on the screen, and he said, I don't – obviously, he doesn't watch much football. He said, Coop is the A-League always this fast pace. This is the best nil-nil draw mm. I've ever watched in my life. Mm. And I think that was a, a pretty good summary of the first half that we saw. Um, on Sam's point about did we play well – Potentially not. I think what we did is we executed the plan. I think we went into this yeah. game with a game plan for the first 45 minutes. We would have gone into the, into the locker room at halftime pleased because we executed the game plan to still be in the game. Um, I just, if we can, I wanted to talk about, about Carl and I've called him tactically inept a lot of times and there's people that have agreed and disagreed and that there's no, there's a plan A and no plan B. And, and whatever you think of Colby at this game is some form of meltdown. And I want to talk first of all about the little bit of leeway that I can give him is that Johnny Yao was so important to this formation against the Newcastle Jets. And I felt he was his work rate especially was so important to us in the first half of this game on the weekend against Melbourne Victory. And to lose him at halftime to a concussion is just a huge loss. Um, the first tactical error from Carl Viet, and I'm not going to bully Luke Dezel, but it sounds he, like you are. No, this was this was not the change, and I think, yeah, I think so many people know this. I think Ethan Alligich is he has got to be. I said to Sam after the game, I said Johnny Yarl went for a trial at Chelsea last year, but in Colviet's head, Ethan Alligich was the first choice, and Johnny Yarl was behind Ethan Alligich. Yeah. Now Johnny Yarl is the number one choice in Colviet's mind, and somehow Ethan Alligich has drifted all the way to the third choice behind Luke Dazelle, and Luke Dazelle just. I don't think he suits this formation because I said to Sam, I felt comfortable every time he got the ball in a six or eight and he played a five to 10 yard pass. And he just, he took a good touch. He moved the ball on and he did what we needed him to do to just keep the play flowing in that six or eight role. But every time he got caught in this formation in that, you know, wideish attacking mid position, he didn't know what to do. When he got on that inside forward channel and he had that little bit of width and he had to either find a pass that wasn't a five to 10 yards simple one, or he had to take a player on, it didn't work for him. And and that's no discredit to Luke Dazelle. That just to me, from what we've seen of him, is not his game style. And to, yeah. to me, it's way more. Ethan Alligich is a guy that Colviet used up front at some points last season. Mm. He's the guy that I'd want to be getting the ball in the more forward areas and, and being forced to create something. One hundred. What, what like? You, should so we have brought? Back. Should we have brought Halloran on instead? Does it? Does that require a different kind of player rather than a like for like midfielder in a sense? I actually, if we go to Halloran and Estery now in the fifty seventh minute, well, uh, come. No, rewind, you, rewind. You can go on if you want. I was just gonna. I was moving it on. I think we're going in the same direction here, but I think it was either. I think he wanted to stick with the same shape still, and that's why he hadn't gone with Halloran there, but. But then he's gone and taken both strikers off anyway. All right. This <laughs> is, I'm going to, this is out on the limb and I don't know whether you'll agree or disagree, but to me, this is from a tactical standpoint. This is how I saw it is that if Johnny Yale didn't have to come off at halftime of this game with a concussion, we were going to go to a four, three, three in the 60th minute. 
Johnny Yell was going to come off. One of the two strikers was going to come off. Nestor on the right, Ben on the left, either Hiroshi or probably Luca up front. Yeah. Now, Cole got forced into this change at halftime. He thought it was too early to go to the 4-3-3, so he brought Luke Dizel on for Johnny Yell. Now, when it came to making those changes in the 60th minute, like we said on the sideline, there was not a situation in this game where it was plausible to take either Isaias or Ryan Tunnicliffe off the pitch because they were both so important to everything yep. we were doing game and because he'd brought Luke Dizel on 11 minutes earlier for Johnny Yell who was going to come off he couldn't take Luke Dizel off so that then meant that he just went okay we'll we'll, we'll take both strikers off the pitch because this is the, the thing that makes the most sense and we'll just let Nesta and, and Ben play up front disaster and- Nesta was an absolute anomaly as a striker, as a number nine, an absolute anomaly. He didn't exist in this game. There was so many people talking about his disinterest and whatnot in this game. After what happened to Nesta and Kunda the last time he went to Melbourne and played the victory to be thrown on out of position in a shit storm with half an hour to go and be forced to play in this scenario with half an hour to go. This is a nightmare for this guy. He's, he's standing been, there with... Um, he's so angry too. He's standing there with Roderick Miranda with his dick in his butt, like right up his ass, trying to mark him out the game, watching aerial balls come towards him, you know. And then we've got defenders down back like Popovich and Ansel. I felt bad for them. They looked completely lost as to what to do with the ball once Ibasuki and Jovanovic had come off because we had no outlet there. There was nothing. Um, I think what was the most confusing part is when Halloran comes on, is he he must have been talking to Zach Clough at the time because I think Zach's hit him up and he's like, all right, what are we doing? What's the formation? And you can see it on camera. Benny s- splits his fingers as if to say, him yeah. and Nestor are playing wide and you're the man through the middle now. And then we just did not do that for 20 minutes. It can't it just, have been it, because... It can't like, have been, but... It must, but he, it must have been at, meaning two up front because that's how it looked. They were both playing yeah, as strikers, and two strikers. That is, how, that is definitely how it looked. But then yeah. at the end of the exchange, he kind of just shrugs his shoulders and looks at him in a way that's like, well, I don't know. I just it thought... Just, yeah, if I can... It felt like it was not communicated properly what we were trying to do. If I can go back to now taking those two strikers off, that Hiroshi, not only have we said before, his hold-up play is so great at times and when we're in situations where we need to get out of trouble, in the first 45 minutes, the amount of times Hiroshi brought the ball down and yeah. just delayed enough for us to get some structure. Yeah. But then not only delayed, if he didn't have an option, was able to just clip a ball over the top to Luka Ivanovic, who worked and worked and worked for the 57 minutes. I think they both did. They both worked exceptionally well. They were both fantastic. And I think that these two changes in the 57th minute, Sam hit the nail on the head. We lost our outlet, and that comes all the way back to Kyle's tactics and and how inept they were at the start with the Javi Lopez being on the pitch for so long because Javi might have survived 74 minutes if he wasn't ridiculously under the pump for the 20 minutes before this Mm. because for the first half of this game, he had moments of respite. We got corners. We attacked for little periods of time. We had the ball for little periods we of time. We kept the ball, yeah. As soon as the 57th minute hit and we put Halloran and Nestor up front and we lost the outlet, that ball went out and it came back and it went out and it came back and it went out and it came back. And for a Javi Lopez that was already fatigued and tired, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And when he got his yellow card in the 68th minute, I thought he was gone instantly. Oh, you had to drag a, him then. That was a tackle that he made because he knew that he didn't have the legs to go with someone. Yeah. Yeah. No, just uh, 100%. You've, yeah, you've analysed it perfectly, I think. You can clearly see where we have gone wrong in this game or where we've thrown it away. 
And that's probably the most disappointing aspect of it. Definitely. Um, I want to shift it across a little bit now. I don't want to, at risk of, uh, you know, giving Melbourne too much credit on an Adelaide United pod. I've been a big fan of Zinedine Mashash this season, as listeners would have known, and as you guys both know. Um, we went, saw him, watched him play. You could see it on TV too. I know he scores the goal in this game, but even aside from that, he is central to everything they're doing, and he's so good at it. He is strong. He doesn't lose. He never loses the ball, and he he works his way all around the pitch. He gets out wide. He gets through the middle. Um, he can. He does hold up play. He can beat players. He just has so many weapons. Um, and now he's floating into the box late, making late runs and finishing off goals as well. Like uh, he was the best player on the park by a mile, wasn't he? Yeah, I think the best way I saw Zizou Mashash described during the week was full of warranted confidence and positive arrogance in a sense of every mm. time he gets the ball, he will square up his immediate opponent with just this, tackle me, I fucking dare you. Yeah. Take the ball off me. I'll turn my back to you. Or I'll hold it up. I'll dribble past you. I'll let yeah. that pace you. There was so many different facets of his game. And it was another part of the point I made about Javi Lopez in this game is that once they realized that they had that pace advantage with Valupoli, everything was Mashash and Valupoli on the left. And Mashash yep. went past Javi a couple of times. And I said, this guy is stronger than every player in that back four. He is faster than every player in that back four. And he's more technically inept than every player in that back four. And perhaps Giuseppe Bovolino would have just given us the edge over Zizou Mashash in that pace facet. And we would have had just one thing. We might have been stronger than, than Bov. He might have been, might have been more skillful than Bov and he might not have been able to stand him up. But if he put a ball past him and tried to run down the line like he did a few times, he might have just been quick enough to go with him and keep up with him and turn him around. You don't even, sometimes with players that are this good, you have to have a level of respect for them to go that just making them turn around and pass the ball to one of their teammates is a win. 100%. And I mean, it's no surprise that, you know, the entire right side of our back four and the, and the DMs were all booked like Popovich, Lopez, Isaias. Like that is the area that they exploited. That's the area that they saw as our weakness and it fucking worked. But, yeah. you know, I thought, I thought Fridge did quite well against him for the most part. Um, it was definitely when they brought Prima on uh, for Mong. Ridiculous name. Yeah. And for, that for, was for everything that you could say about, uh, you know, Jake Brimmer's Johnny Warren medal and being, probably not the best player in the league. Um, Probably not the best player in the league, but still a very good footballer. And a footballer that if you're going to bring on in a game like this is going to change it. You know, we don't have, we don't have depth like that. You look at our team and I'm, I'm thinking we're missing a guy like Jay Barnett in order to rotate uh, fridge and easy. And then you think, and then you compare it and you're like, well, he's, they're bringing on, they're bringing on Jake Brimmer and, Chris Economides. Economides, who's like, yeah. what's he paid? Like six hundred grand a year or something. We we had a chat insane. about this at the state. We had a chat about this at the stadium, and we're like, um, you know, is he is Economides pissed about being on the bench every week? Because like, surely another club could go in and grab him. Was he just happy to sit at Melbourne, um, watching him win games, play in front of play in front of a great atmosphere every week, and and just just come on and play his part every now and again? Because well, a good a good atmosphere club- when they're winning. Yeah, when they're winning. Um, you know, is that someone like Adelaide could have targeted or like another club in the league? It's, but at the end of the day, I think someone like that is always going to end up at a victory or Sydney, isn't he? Pretty much. That's the only other option, isn't it? Is to go to Sydney or West Sydney, potentially. 
Uh, I think he's just enjoying. He's not been good enough to start. And when you've got someone like Alzani, who you know for all of his faults, I thought uh, he was still, good on the weekend. He still has good output. Yeah, yeah, still got good output. And Valupali, you know, homegrown player. He understands his fixture. Yeah. He's hungry, and he does end up setting up the first goal. I think he's warranted to be sitting on the bench at the moment, but yeah, I don't think he minds that much, to be honest. Um, second goal was obviously uh, the ball ends up. They just caught us a bit. We were we were kind of pushing a little bit by this point, and they get us on the break. A uh, great run through the middle. Find Fornaroli, who cuts in and finishes on his left foot. But we would leave, when we were leaving the game, we were talking to people and just some randoms as well. Just one guy, we were crossing the road, came up and said unlucky or blah, blah, blah. But we just talked about the difference being that the quality in the two goals is what wins your games. And those goals came from guys like Mashash and Bruno Fornaroli. And that that literally is the difference between being a top side in this league and not those two guys yeah. right there. And that's yeah, it. And that's, that's why we that's why we consistently finish third, fourth, I think, every season is because we yeah. don't have a Fornaroli and a Mashash. I I just think I said to Sam after the game and, and Tom, Sam warned me that you would absolutely hate this. Um, but <laughs> not only was this quality on the pitch, their quality versus our quality, is it better, is it worse? The the biggest difference in this game was potentially the worst tactical manager in the league against by far the best tactical manager in the league. And and Popper just walked Carl off the park with his tactics in the second half of this game. And what he's done in a 12-month period with victory from being able to go from last to quite possibly the best team in this league is phenomenal. And there's no other manager currently in this league that's capable of doing anything near that. And I think it's perfect to the point of what you've just made about how we always overachieve and, and we finish second and, and most likely third and maybe fourth every year and, and, and win one final and go out in a semi-final. But the year that we got there and we did it all, sure, we had little bits of quality on the team, but but on paper, that Wanderers team that we beat in the grand final was potentially better than us. But at that time, I felt with, with Guillermo Moore that we had the best tactical manager in the competition at that time. And it's the only mm-hmm. time we've ever been in that scenario as a club. Obviously, we saw it for a little bit potentially with Yossip, but it was something that was growing. And, and Moore came in and, and put his spin on it too. And we were just tactically yeah. better than all these other teams. And we're just so... When we lose, I feel so often that we're so tactically inferior to the teams that beat us, and it's so frustrating. I wouldn't give Popper that much credit. I don't. I would never describe him <laughs> as phenomenal, just in the sense that he seems to be able to work with, and when he succeeds, he works with the the sides with the biggest budget and the sides with the biggest, you know, financial pull in a sense. City aside, city aside. Um, and for him to be able to turn it around in a sense, he come into an aging squad that had been mismanaged for a couple of seasons post musket. And, you know, this was always on the cards was him being, you bring in a, you bring in players like Ryan T, Daniel Arzani, Mashash, Fauna Roli, fucking, of course you're going to fucking win games. Like that's no surprise to anybody. I wouldn't be surprised if you could put Carl in this team and they beat Adelaide United. If you I, swap I think- the managers, I still think Melbourne victory win. I think one thing to Popper's credit as well, and this goes back to the conversation that was just had about Chris Iconomidis and and do we think he's pissed being on the bench? Could another team come in and get him? There is a, a, a mob of players that want to play for Tony Popovich wherever he goes, and that says so much for him as a manager, and Chris Iconomidis is one of them. Paul Izzo obviously went to Greece with Tony Popovich and then came back to Melbourne from Xanthi with Tony Popovich, um, and he's making himself a little bit of home at the victory and, and playing up the 
North Terrace and becoming a real cult figure over there, Sam and I were talking about. And mm. and if we were him, we'd buy into it as well. But there was a little bit of talk too about Daniel Azani coming back to the A-League and, and going to Melbourne Victory, part of him going to Melbourne Victory instead of going to one of the, you know, Sydney FC or the, the other big dog clubs is that he was so drawn to playing for Tony Popovich. And there's, I don't think there's another manager in this league with the pool that a guy would go, all right, I'm going to go to victory because I want to play for Tony Popovich. There's not a single player in the A-League that's going to Wellington to play for Giancarlo Italiano or coming to Adelaide to play for Calviere. They're going to Melbourne for Tony Popovich. Has has a bit of the Ange Postecoglou's yeah. about it when he brought Borussia across from Brisbane and stuff like that, and I I totally get it. And I mean, like what he did with Perth was really cool as well, irrespective of Tony Sage overspending and you know uh, I still don't understand how they weren't pinged again for salary cap breaches. But I guess it's a different kind of ball game after you've been done once. But it just should have been pinged for bringing Andy Keogh to this country. Popper's <laughs> <laughs> got the resume. Now I think you've got to give it some respect, you know. Well, yeah, of he, course. Asian, Asian. He won a Champions League. Um, yeah. he's, he's made countless grand finals and keeps losing them. But um, yeah, this Melbourne side look good. They look like they've got the goods to probably go if they keep. Oh, they should keep these it. guys fit, you know. Um, oh, they should do it. The other one, even like, if they don't, good bench. On talking about guys like Mashash and Fornaroli and just that sort of quality. Uh, another one worth like we're getting away from Adelaide now, but um. We watched the Melbourne City game and I've watched Melbourne City for the last few weeks and Tolgay Arslan, I think we had pinned as one of the guys to watch this season just purely from the fact that he's coming in from playing regular football in a top five European league with Udinese and you can tell. You can just tell it's different gravy um, and that's like what we're seeing with Tolgay Arslan with Melbourne City is what you're seeing with Mashash here with Melbourne Victory as well. It'll be a great battle between those two for the Johnny Warren, I think, at the end of the season. Um, mm-hmm. You had the early bolters. You had Zach Clough. You had Jay O'Shea, potentially. But those are the two guys that are going to be duking it out at the end. And they're great additions to this league. Zach Clough, um, I think we agree he's probably been our best player this year. But he's probably been – he's still been good, but his – Influence on the game has been pinned back a bit by this change in shape. I think the last two weeks, he, there's only so much impact he can still have um, without the freedom to be playing as that ten and kind of working both sides of the pitch. Now he's kind of he's only working one side. You know, it, it just limits his impact a bit, which it's one of those kind of just a bit of a bit of an individual sacrifice for the for the team structure. Mm. Yeah, um, but it, one... it brings Johnny into it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. One point I had on Zach is his two worst games this season now have both been at Amy Park against Melbourne Victory. And it's one to watch when they come to Adelaide is that in the two games we've played against Melbourne Victory, and, and, I, and I've watched the replay from the weekend now and had a look at it as well, is that Ryan Teague runs around after Zach Clough like a headless chook. Like Tony Popovich has looked at how good he's been in the rest of the games this season and gone, hey, I actually don't Fuck think... Him out of it. Adelaide are that good around Zach Clough. I think Zach Clough has his individual brilliance. Obviously, Nesta's capable. We know how to nullify Nesta. We get in his head when he's there. We do these things that it takes him out of this game. If you run around, we'll sacrifice Ryan Teague and his ability on the ball and going forward. Because if you take Zach Clough out of this game and we make this 10v10, we're going to walk, we're going to walk all over him. We're going to win this game. And it worked for them in this game. They were probably really unfortunate that they didn't beat us the first time there. And it'll be interesting to see if, if Zach can bounce back. And it might be more of a an example of Zach needing just a little bit more help from the other guys. And obviously you losing Johnny Yell at halftime was a big part of that. It was target eight on Zach Clough's back even more once Yell went out and, and Duzel came on. 
So it'll be interesting to see if it, what he can do if he does again go one on one with Tegan Adelaide. It's a great matchup, and I love I love that their their midfield three is so good when you've got Teague, Mashash, Brimmer. But I also think that we've got the midfield three that can combat that sufficiently enough. And I think back at higher March, that's just going to be such a blockbuster game. You know, you're probably looking at a victory who might be charging towards a title by that point. And I think that we could put a serious dent in them in front of a raucous home crowd. That's fingers crossed. It's very optimistic. We haven't really matched them yet this season, even though we got a point in the first game that we played them. Um, it's, yeah, like I said, it's fingers crossed territory. But I, I like what you're saying. Hopefully we got Jay Barnett back by then. Yeah, five-yard yeah. Jay. Five-yard um, Jay. Love that, man. Last couple of things before I move it on. I just wanted to shout out uh, the Red Army who helped out. They sorted out some tickets for us, so good on them. Big thanks. Champs. Um, And... I guess like uh, just just more just talking about the trip. I guess my first away game for some time, maybe six six years at least. I think maybe maybe five five six years. Uh, but just noticing that the drop off in the bay there, the away the away trips just not as not as big as it once was. I don't know if the I guess cost of living, COVID, it's changed the game a bit. And um, yeah, just just wasn't as busy as it's been in the past. But those that were there made some good noise in patches, doing a really good job. Um, my other note, and I'm saying this because I know we've got some Melbourne Victory fans who do listen to this, but Cooper and I were, uh, Tom, you'll hate this, but Cooper and I kept looking at mm, each yeah. other when the North Terrace were getting up and about and getting loud. And when you're in the stadium and they are getting up and about and it's from the very front row all the way to the back behind their goals, it is great. Um, you got to enjoy I, it. It's great. My, my biggest harm about the North Terrace in this one was... 15 minutes after the game had finished, we were about 500 metres away from the stadium. And the irony is, in fact, that they weren't and they're not currently, but nearly half a kilometre away from Amy Park. We are top of the league. We are top of the league was deafening. Like they were having a yeah. fucking party in there. I don't know if we were, we were across the road from, even though they're not from behind the stadium. Just, no, it wasn't 500 metres, but so yeah, it was loud. Just it was brilliant. so loud. Um, the other thing e- I wanted even to Even though just... they're not top, though. We should make that very clear. They're not top. Yeah, he did say that. I just wanted to South Australianism this for a second, too, is we had a, a guy from the media team, production team at the Adelaide Giants come up to us because Sammy was wearing his his button-up Adelaide Giants shirt and his mm. Adelaide United scarf and, and come and talk to us and ask talk to us about the baseball that we'd been to on the Friday night. And he was as American as it gets. And he made a comment and he said, oh, we thought we'd, we'd come and watch the United game because some of the people we work with from Adelaide told us that that's just, that's a South Australian thing. That's just what, that's what you do is the one Adelaide team's here. You support that Adelaide team. And, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if I love or hate soccer or know nothing about it, that you support this Adelaide team too. And this was as guy as American as I've spoken to in this country, wearing a Nestoria and Kunda shirt in the Bay when he didn't even know who he was. And it was just excellent. Love it. Yeah. It was that's good. so cool. Yeah. There's that's some, awesome. There's some characters in there. It was a good time. Um, Good time, good trip. A disappointing result, but overall the game day experience pretty, pretty good. Oh, aside from we do need to talk about the fucking. I'll just mention it. Half an hour to get in to scan your ticket at Amy Park. Uh, we got there what t- fifteen minutes after gates were meant to have opened, and we waited twenty five to thirty to get scanned in, and it was an absolute sardine tin outside the gate waiting. And they had people out there just yelling at yelling at people to walk past and go around the other side of the gate to line up there. They had not all the gates were open. They had 
for the whole uh for the whole ground pretty much well for one whole side of the ground they had two people doing security things and scanning tickets in um it was a bit of a joke for a while I, I, it ended up getting sorted out but Jeez. One more, more one, cops than, than people scanning the tickets in. One Very bar, angry. one bar, and one food kiosk open for the entirety of level one. Yeah, nice. Pretty they really go all out for the football, don't they? We had to walk halfway around the stadium to buy a beer, and I just said to Sam, "I'm thinking six years ago where we had our own bar behind our own little section of the stadium, mm. where we weren't allowed to walk as much as fifteen meters outside that area, and it just shows." how much potentially times have changed now within this league. All right. We've got a home game coming up Thursday night. We've got Wellington at home. Once again, I'll ask you your thoughts on this. And then at the end, we'll get a bit of a prediction. So Tommy Wellington at home. Big game. What's Jesus. going on here? What's going I on? Mean, what's what's fuck, happening? I know what Coop's going to say. He doesn't rate the knucks. So we should be taking three points from this, but this <laughs> is a danger game. This is a huge danger game. Um, they are riding high top of the league. Like mm, you've just bring, come off a loss, but you're going to bring the league leaders here. I don't know. Yeah. We we typically do really well against Wellington at home, so I too Ooh. am expecting a victory. But uh, you know, outside of that, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, especially with Italiano as coach. He's an interesting guy. Uh, he sets his teams up uh, seemingly differently for most of the opposition that he plays against. So it's, it'd be impossible to predict what they're going to throw at us. I think you can take some encouragement from the victory result, even though it is a defeat. I think he probably does roll out the four trip two again. Hopefully Johnny L's fit. And I could see us winning this. Yeah. Cooper. Me. Beautiful. Um, Yeah. I got a lot of messages between five to 10 minutes before kickoff of the Sydney Wellington game in a particular uh, punting group chat. I won't name names, but they know who they are. Um, saying, <laughs> oh, oh, maybe I'll bet on Sydney because according to Cooper, Fabio Gomez is going to tear the competition apart and Sydney <laughs> Sydney are really good and Wellington, although they're top of the league, they're not that great. And, well, I hope you all lost a bunch of fucking money on the weekend. <laughs> and, uh, Fabio Gomez got his goal off the pine. Sydney absolutely tore Wellington apart in this game. Steamrolled him. Way, way too good for the Knicks. Um, Oscar Zavada is a big out for this team, but um, Bazada Crea has been really good for them as well as Costa Barbarossa has finally found some goal scoring form to replace them at that. And considering Barbarossa hadn't scored for about 15 A League games before the Zavada injury, I'm not sure that Zavada would have outscored Barbarossa in this period. So I'm not overly convinced that he's been that big of a loss for them. And I'm just not convinced what is going on behind the quality they have up front is good enough to sustain what they've been doing. It's the, it's the cry of Barbarossa Savada is a, a front, an excellent bunch of strikers to have and a great bunch of options. But when you're backing them up with Ben Old, David Ball, Alex Roofer and, and Pennington with a back four of Sutton, Wooten, Sermon and Payne, I don't think it's that great. And I don't think it's going to last. And I think the Wellington party's over and they've lost three, one to Sydney who are now ninth and a team that I still think will come and I still think will play finals and they're going to come to Highmarsh and they're going to run right into the to the Adelaide United party and they're going to cop a fat L on the weekend. 
It'll be funny if they roll in with a four triple two as well, and then we can see well, really they, who is the mastermind. They have played the four triple two for the last two weeks as well. The Knicks, mm. so it'll be interesting to see whether Giancarlo changes his team up to come to Adelaide, or whether they're going to match us and and see. And and if I was Giancarlo Italiano, I would come in with this four triple two. And if it's a yeah, stalemate, it's it, it's an away game for the Knicks. It's a stalemate. If I'm Giancarlo Italiano and there's no movement happening, I'm doing nothing and i'm saying to calvia you're on home soil show me what you got mate win this game you move you move you win this game because i'm just here i'm here for a point you will win this game i think um you're a little harsh i know on paper that midfield doesn't look all that flash um but i think they're playing above themselves guys like rufa david ball especially ben old um but they maybe that's like carryover talley effect he had them he had them really cooking pretty well, that midfield. Um, and they still just those guys up front, Cryov and Barbarusis, do do worry me. Barbarusis, I can te- I can already see him dashing at right kiddo. So um we'll see what happens with that. Um yeah, I don't know. I still think they can be got at though, and they're there. I I don't think they're you you seem to act like they're horrible. I don't think they're the best team in the league, but they're but they're not bad. I don't think they're like missing finals bad. To me, I think that they're I don't get me wrong, what I'm I'm not trying to say, as harsh as I've been, I'm not trying to say that Wellington have played bad and that they don't deserve to be where they are right now. What I'm saying is that I don't think their squad and their team in, in general is good enough to be where it is. And and props to them for, for getting to where they are, but I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think it's gonna last. I do genuinely think there are six teams at least in this league that are better than the Knicks, but they're fast, like you said, they're not potentially not miss finals bad from this position, you know. They've still got yeah. an eight-point gap on Sydney. If they can be consistent enough, that might be enough to keep them in the finals. But I do think on paper there are genuinely enough teams in this league good enough to make the Knicks miss finals. Yeah, we're also still going on old perceptions of players um, that have obviously changed and grown a bit. I don't know. Um, I think there are. I think we could be on for a win, though, at home. What are we now? We're at four wins, a draw, and five losses through our 10 games. I reckon we get a win at home here. I think Wellington maybe maybe the, a couple of losses in a row for him will come here. Um, That'd be nice. I I just think that uh, I don't know what I think. <laughs> I'm so it's just, it depends. This Adelaide Adelaide team, side we just up. have no idea what we're gonna do or how yeah. we're gonna show up. What we're gonna do? I think our our best football, um, which we we haven't seen for a while. I'm trying to think what the best example of it is. And I want to See? ignore those. I want to ignore those first two home games. They they appear okay. to be pretty wild outliers, um, but our sustainable best football, I think, is probably is good enough to beat Wellington. You know, if Clough is playing well and Izzy and Tunnicliffe are doing their jobs, and and we have Hero and Luca. Luca has been great lately. I th- I think we have enough to cause them plenty of problems at that backline as well. So, yeah, um, is- that backline's not that flush. Before we get to predictions, this is going to spring one on all of us because it's just sprung one on me. And I know that we weren't that aware that there was a game Thursday. Um, we, I think we realised while we were in the no and, and discussed it. Um, not only do we play the Knicks at home tomorrow night when we're recording this, which will be, sorry, it's past midnight, so Thursday night in Adelaide. Um, we also played MacArthur at home on Monday night four days later. So I what? just potentially one yeah monday the 8th of january against macarthur at at highmarsh so two oh, games fuck. in five days do we expect some calvier rotation or 
Oh man, I'll take not the win against, I'll take a win against Wellington because I think Macarthur is a tough, tough oh, beat. I it's our bogey team. They're okay, yeah, and they they they're not bad to watch either. Macarthur, as much as I despise their existence um, with their very few fans and their stupid amount of cowbells, a stupid amount being more than zero. Yeah. More than zero is a stupid amount of cowbells. So if you have one, that's (laughs) fucked. Um, I think that's my one though. I think knowing that there's, there's two games at home against Wellington and MacArthur before we will record another episode of this podcast. Mm. Um, Give me three points from a potential six and I'll be happy. If we, if we talk about zero from six, are we sacking Carl? Is it time? We're not, but I wish we were. Jeez. I'm not ready for that combo. Um, I'm going to go Adelaide win Thursday night, 3-1 again. And then we draw 2-2 with MacArthur on Monday and we get four points from six. Yep, similar, 2-1, 1-1. Yeah, give me 3-0 win against Wellington Ooh, and, a t- and a 2-1 loss against MacArthur. We're, we'll wrap it there. We have no right to be sitting in eighth and all three of us just so confidently. Cooper's gone three nil. We're all gonna we're just gonna smash goals past the team that's top of the league after we just we just lost to Melbourne two nil. Um oh well. We'll leave it there. Um go get around, check out the check out the social medias, check out the feed. There's a Europod available, episode one thirty nine will be up there for you to check out. Cooper got pretty heated about uh, Jota's dive for Liverpool. He thinks it was uh it was a perfect display of sportsmanship. So you can go have a listen to that and see what you think. Uh, invite your friends. Have a listen. Um, we'll see you around. Go the Reds, hey? Yeah. Happy New go Year. The go Reds. the Reds. Lovely.